You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Hey guys, welcome to The Devoted Podcast. Hope you guys are having a great week. Other things going on at Athe Women and The Devoted Podcast. So the Galatians study is coming up. Have I talked to you guys much about this? I feel like I don't feel like I have. I can never remember exactly what I have brought up. But we are really excited because we are going to do another Bible study here in the spring here. Eight-week study, April and May. You'll be able to start signing up on the website at athecreek.com on the women's ministry page. Probably, I would, oh goodness, I shouldn't even say because the team is going to start going aim. That's not the right date. So I guess just stay tuned. Watch for the website. But we are going to be able to start doing signups for that for too long. And you'll get to order the study guide. So guys, we did a Galatians study guide called No Other Gospel. And I feel like I tell you guys all the time I'm excited. And I'm not even that excitable of a person, really. But I really love the Word of God so much. And every time... I work on something like this and see really the fruit of what the Lord does. It's just so amazing to study the Word. So I'm really excited that in April and May, you guys are going to get to join me with that if you want. And uh, we're going to have another study guide, eight weeks. And we'll be able to do it like we did last time with Psalm 119, where we can have online groups. So if you are not local to our area, don't let that be a thing that makes it so you can't join us. You can always watch the teaching stuff that we do online. But truly the most important part about any study that we do is going to be getting into your own Bible. So I think that's so important. If you didn't get to do Psalm 119 and you want to do that, you can still go to the website and get that. You could do it on your own. You can put your own group together. But Psalm 119 is so good. You just come out at the at the end just having even more of a love for the Word as you over and over and over get to talk about how amazing the Word is over and over and over. It's so good. Never gets old. So today... I'm going to talk to you guys a a little bit about, I didn't really know how to start this, I guess, in some ways, because I have sort of felt this strange feeling in the last month, just this weird spot. And I hate to use this word, but I feel like it's been kind of a polarized feeling. And the reason I don't want to like to use the word polarized is because I feel like we see that in politics and you're just, you know, you're thinking political polarization. And that's not what I'm meaning. But I feel like there's sort of this strange thing. I have feel like on one side, I just have all this like crazy excitement about the things that the Lord is doing. And especially in our corner, you know, in women's ministry and some of the things that we get to talk about here and some of the messages I receive from you guys, either from the podcast or through, through Athe Women, where you're just excited about studying the Word and that you're excited about being able to just hear the Word in a very unapologetic way has been refreshing for some of you. And that's been so encouraging to me just to to hear about folks that are are coming and they're hearing the word in a way that is just being fully submitted to it. And so I love that. I am so excited to see that. I mean, that is truly our aim for us to just be able to be learning and hearing the scriptures. That's what we want to do. But at the same time, I feel like there is this other side of the coin where there's kind of a heaviness to our days, you know? And when you do look out, if you do read the news for five seconds, you know, there's just a lot of dark right now. And maybe even some of it is just basic attack, maybe to discourage and try to distract us from the good stuff that's right in front of it. All the stuff that I've been talking to you about, you know, sometimes some of these other things just serve as distractions, perhaps. But The other day, I was just kind of, I was feeling this weightiness from 
I don't know, couldn't even really quite put my finger on all of it, but just felt really called to just drop everything and pray. It made me kind of think of when my kids were younger. I feel like it was like third grade and the teachers used to do something that they called DEAR, D-E-A-R, and it was stood for drop everything and read. And, you know, that was, they sat at their desks and they dropped all the stuff they were doing and they would sit and just read their books, you know. And I felt like that was kind of me, except instead of the read, it was pray. However, with some of the stuff I'm going to talk to you about, you're going to see this actually kind of read as well, because I think scripture plays such a, a vital role in this. But so I want to just talk about prayer. And at first, I guys, I went back and forth with this because I'm like, Aim, well, you've already talked about prayer. You know, we, we did an episode on this back in season one. And I think it's kind of funny when we sort of find excuses of, well, we, well surely we don't need to talk about that again. <laughs> And that's laughable, right? I mean, we can always talk about prayer and be reminded of these things. Because if you're like me, you're not, we need these refreshers. Sometimes we need just a little bit of a shot in the arm to be reminded of what the things that we're called to do in Scripture in regards to prayer. So that's where we're going today. And I have got so many Scriptures today. And so I hope I don't lose you on all those. Like I always say, guys, I put the references in the show notes. So if you go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you're listening, there's always the notes and all the references will be listed there. So if I talk too fast and you're like, oh, what was that that one verse that Amy brought up? Go back and look it up because Truly, the most important things you're going to hear out of this episode or any episode that we do on the Devoted Podcast is going to be the things that are straight out of Scripture. So you're going to hear a lot of Scripture here. But as I as I think about prayer, you know, I have to go a little bit a minute down nostalgia lane here because when I think of my own habits on prayer, it always takes me back to what I learned from my dad. And and much of what I learned from my dad actually happened after he died. And to provide a little context for that, I mean, yes, I always observed my dad as a very faithful man. He was I mean, honestly, truly 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 every single morning Always, the first thing I saw was, was I saw my dad with his Bible open, with all of his different pens and pencils marking in his Bible. And he, yes, he had a journal there, but man, a studier of the Word. And so that was really what I observed the most. But what was amazing to all of us, of the family that we observed after my dad passed away, was we just we found dozens and dozens of these prayer journals. And I mean, guys, pages, uh, hundreds, thousands of pages, probably. And as we started opening these journals, some of it was journal-like, like what you and I would think of, you know, writing about things. But really, guys, most of it was either scripture or he would pray in kind of this code. And I and I referenced this a little bit in the last podcast, but in case you didn't listen to that one, what I mean by praying in code, because that probably sounds weird. But he would write these little either acronyms or different numbers to reference something that he would be praying for. And then in the journal, it would he would have the person's name there, and then he'd write one of these codes. So, for example, if he was praying for somebody's marriage, it would just say their name, and then there would be this M with a box around it, okay? And for a while, we were like, okay, you don't really know what the M means, you know, because that's all that would be in the journal. And then maybe the next person, it would be my brother's name, and it would say P3, like P with the exponent three. And we'd be like, what in the world is this? So and it would, on and on, these things would go. Sometimes it would be a series of numbers and letters. So I'm going to talk to you guys about one today where it says 2P138. You're like, what? What is that? And he would, he, that's what it'd say. It would it'd be a bullet for like the, that he was praying, and then it would be 2P138. 
So it, none of this really made a whole lot of sense to us, honestly, until we found this other journal that was kept like right with his Bible. And we call it the key as the fam now, but it had all of these little codes. And then it would, so for the M that had its little box around it, it would say marriage. And then it would be pages of scripture that he would be praying for somebody's marriage straight out of the Bible. 2P138 would stand for a scripture reference, 2 Peter 1, 3 through 8. For Ephesians, he had E161214. What? Crazy. Like, what in the world does that number stand for? But it actually stood for Ephesians 1, verses 6, 12 through 14. Of course, right? And I know it sounds convoluted, but as you were as you're writing in a journal, he would just have bullet points and then it would point to some place in scripture that he was praying for this. But I learned a lot from this because as I as I observed these things and I would look back and we and I and I love this this key. I keep it, I often just take it with me. It's it's almost like a devotional, but it's a devotional strictly with just all scripture in it and has things that he would pray for. What I also love about it is he would often go to multiple versions or multiple translations of the Bible to look at things. So maybe you're in a spot today and you're like, you know what? I hear what you're saying about prayer aim and my marriage could stand some prayer right now. I don't think that there's a marriage out there that does not need prayer because what you have when you get married is you have two very imperfect people. And yes, if you're both believers, you're striving to be in unity and striving to walk with the Lord. But guess what? Sinners and we can be a mess sometimes, can't we? So I don't think there is a marriage out there that doesn't need prayer. And I love this. And and maybe this was one that I was just really, that, that day in particular, wanting to pray over my own marriage and those in my family in praying over them. But I love this. Romans 15, 5 through 6. And this one is, is in the Amplified Version, but I, I kind of like to have a different little take on this. But listen to this. As you would think about praying this over your marriage, now may the God who gives power of patient endurance, steadfastness, who supplies encouragement, grant us to live in such mutual harmony and such full sympathy with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, that together we may unanimously, with united hearts and one voice, praise and glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Ah, that's a powerful prayer for a marriage, to have uh, praying those words over your marriage that you would be in mutual harmony that you would be in full sympathy even with one another. Boy, that's a tough one sometimes when, you know, your spouse maybe is in a, in a spot and you're you're not really getting it. And maybe you're not even doing a real good job trying to put yourself in those shoes. I've done that. And I love the scripture here to remind us to pray those things for our marriages. What about this one for wives, you know, praying Ephesians 5.33 for us, that we might respect and reverence our husbands. And I, the scripture there says that we might reverence our husbands, but it's also respect in some versions. And that's a powerful word there, right? Because reverence is only used in other, the only other time reverence is used in scripture is in relation to God. And, you know, our pastor always says, is, you know, it's pretty easy to reverence God because he's perfect, but none of our husbands and that, and, you know, husbands to us, we're not perfect. They're not perfect, but we are called to respect and reverence our husbands. I think that's a really good, not only a reminder of an, of an instruction from Scripture that I need to do that, but to pray that, Lord, help me to reverence my husband. I love that. First Peter 4, 8, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Philippians 2, 2, be like-minded, 
having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. That one's in the NIV. But I I love these scriptures. And like I said, these are just written down. My dad would write these down in his journal, in his key. And then, you know, in the one where he was daily praying for somebody, it would have their name and it would have an M. And I've followed suit with that. I have a, a similar pattern that I do, and I do that too. And then I pray those scriptures. And you might just pick one of those that you might be praying for those folks. You know, you might have family that live clear across the country and pray that, you know, your brother and sister-in-law, that they would be like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. That's a powerful prayer for them. And I really do feel like our marriages, man, they need fortified in prayer. I think for us personally, married gals, it's, you know, remembering to take your concerns for your marriage to the Lord. It may seem like sometimes our many words will change our husbands, but remember to let the Lord do what he deems best for us. I think we need to be astonished sometimes by how much you and I do not know. Have you ever been in that spot where you're praying something that you think really needs to happen? And maybe you're praying, maybe this is for a spouse, and you're really praying that he changes his mind about, you know, this thing. But again, that's where I want to come down with, I should probably be astonished with how much I do not know. Because what if that thing that I think needs to happen so much, if I could continue to, you know, needle my husband about that, well, have you thought about this? Have you thought about this and doing this and this? That's going to influence him because he's going to want to be swayed to, you know, meet me where I'm at and, you know, he wants to make me happy and all that stuff. But what if that isn't what the Lord has at all? How much better to pray that the Lord's will be done in our marriages and bringing that request, that concern to the Lord without even saying anything to your husband? It's a tough thing to do. And I'm not even going to try to tell you that I have done that perfectly every time, not even close. But I also know that it is the thing that, that that's the result we want, right, is that it's the Lord's will that's done in our marriages. I mentioned earlier praying the 2P138, and that one is 2 Peter 1, 3 through 8. And I, and I love this one because, the, as I was talking to you earlier, just a little bit about the heaviness and the, and, the, and the darkness in our world a little bit, I think sometimes it can feel like, boy, I, I kind of don't even know where to start. Like if you're going, man, I don't even know what to pray. Try praying 2 Peter 1, 3 through 8. I'm going to read this to you guys in the NIV. And it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him, who call us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Love that part. You could meditate just on that part right there. The things that he is calling us to do by for his own glory and his goodness. It lifts the weight of some of the the normal cares of this world a little bit to lift your eyes to our purposes, What it, that is for his glory and his goodness. But I, I want to keep reading. It says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. In the ESV, it says virtue there, but I do love goodness. It says, add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. And then this is the end, the promise at the end here that I love so much. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, 
Fill in those blanks right there in your prayer. Lord, help me to be self-controlled in fill in the blank. Lord, help me to persevere in fill in the blank. What is it? Is it digital learning? Is it what whatever it is that you're doing or is something at your job or maybe not having a job? Lord, help me to persevere in this situation. Isn't it interesting how it's not necessarily even praying for your situation to change, but it's praying for perseverance. How about showing me how to show true kindness and love? You know, filling in that blank on who is it the Lord would say, man, I need to, I need some loving kindness towards this person. But I love that that promise at the end of that passage said, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. How much of that is, that's just so key. Yes, we want to be effective and productive in our days and in our lives, for sure. Productivity is my thing. It is kind of my heartbeat sometimes. But I think I need to keep perspective on my real pursuit. Because what it said is, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, measure, it doesn't say you're just going to be effective and productive. Well, it says you will be those things, but you'll be effective and productive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what a great reminder to realize what our real calling is, to keep my perspective on what the real pursuit is, and, and that being the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. And the reason that is the answer in the ultimate promise is because knowing Jesus, then we are actively walking in all those things we were just praying for, praying for gentleness and patience and self-control. Go through the Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit, praying those things that the Lord would help you to walk in those things. Boy, we sure need the Spirit's help to do that. That is not something that's going to come of our own strength. But just even going to Galatians 5.22 and praying those things. Another one of those codes that Dad had, it just said source. And I think this one goes really well with Second Peter 1, 3 through 8. But I love this passage. And I think partly because it changes your perspective on some of the, maybe what I was referring to as the heaviness and whatever, just to, just to reflect on what the Lord's purpose is. But Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24 says this, Let him who glories glory in this that he understand and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. I love that one to pray because I think how many times when I'm kind of struggling and maybe feeling overwhelmed by the situation, remembering to glory that I know the Lord, that he's the one that exercises loving kindness and judgment and righteousness on the earth, in those are the things that we are supposed to delight in. And just kind of that perspective shift, is that what I'm delighting in right now? Or am I delighting in whatever's on my list for the week? Or am I really delighting in the Lord? I'm not going to go into them extensively here, but another code in my journal and was in my dad's, it would say stand. And that refers to Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, where you're praying the armor of God. I did a whole podcast on just the armor of God. I think that is just such an important passage, and particularly in these days, man, do you not feel like we need to armor up a bit? And going through that passage and praying those specific things, Lord, help me put the belt of truth on, the breastplate of righteousness. Like, I, I just think those are really, even to like visually think through that. When we did the episode on marriage, it was I think it was called 
Beauty from Ashes. My sister-in-law, Kimberly Smith, did that with me. And she talked about praying the armor of God each morning before they got out of bed as it related to their marriages, but them personally too, just that protection. I think of this for us as moms too with our kids. This is a different day we're raising our kids in for sure. I don't even think we need to be discouraged by that. I just think we need to put our energies into investing in our kids and helping them armor up for for the battle that they walk every day. But that passage, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, going through that and, and trying to even commit to memory those pieces so you could visually think about the ways in which you can put on the armor of God. Other things that sometimes we're praying for, what maybe when we're waiting for an answer from the Lord. And there's scriptures for that, right? Psalm 3124 says, be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. Waiting's a tough one, isn't it? And I think it's tough because for me, guys, I feel like I have the attention span of a gnat sometimes. It just seems like, well, Lord, I've been praying for this for an entire week. So why is this not happening? But the Lord's time is not our time. And I I think going back to remembering to glory in the things that he glories in, to delight in the things that he delights in, it gives you a perspective change on on the things that we're waiting on and and to wait on those things. I'm always so convicted when I read Lamentations 3, 25 and 26, that says that the Lord is good to those who wait for him, for the soul who seeks him. And then this is the part that's brutal, guys. It says, it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Why is that quietly in there every time? I mean, it, sometimes it's easy like, well, if we're going to wait, can we at least kind of complain about it a little bit? But that is not what, we, what we're supposed to be doing. We need to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. I, I also want to point out, I don't think that quietly is meaning to the Lord. In fact, I think it's quite the opposite. Continuing to bring things to the Lord, I think that should be our first place we go every time. You know, when we talked about things that we might be praying for your spouse or maybe a, a friend or something that maybe you don't need to go to that friend or your mom or your husband. You need to go to the Lord over and over and it's funny how sometimes he'll just even change your heart about what it is as we kind of as we want to pray about what the Lord's will is for those situations. I was looking through some of my dad's books, and I'm going to kind of give you some background on it because I'm going to, I found this really cool quote on prayer by a old pastor, George Buddock was his name, and he was from 1892 to 1980, and he wrote this book on prayer. And I, I want to give you guys some context because sometimes I think y- y'all just might think that I just know off the top of my head all these, you know, pastors of a century ago or something. And again, I'm going to give credit to my dad here because I, when my dad died, I got his library, and I can't, it's very, very dear to me. So I have just hundreds of books, guys, of things that he read over the years. And all the time, I'll pull off a book and there'll be some random note stuck in there. Well, this one was no different. So I was, I pulled off the shelf a copy of Ian Bounds, The Necessity of Prayer, which was one of my dad's favorites. And tucked inside it was this, like, do y'all remember the old facsimile paper? It felt like a Costco receipt. You remember that stuff, though? But that used to be, like, what you'd get a fax on. And what shocks me about this particular one is I thought that those, like, I thought that eventually the ink just disappears on those. I don't know what the shelf life is on that. But maybe it's because it hasn't really been exposed to air much and it's just been folded up in this book. But there is folded up in this old book of dad's this fax page, and it's got a cover page. And then attached to the cover page is this 
kind of like a little bit of a devotional and a little bit of a story about this George Buttock who wrote this book on prayer. But it was so interesting because I would have never stumbled across this guy. The person who sent this to my dad, interestingly enough, as I, you know, at the time, it it put his name up there and said he was a circuit judge. And this was back in like 1993. So I'm like, huh, I wonder where this guy is. Do a little Google search. It turns out that guy is actually, he's now retired, but he was a Supreme Court justice in Florida. And he had written my dad. I don't know where they had they had met, but he wrote my dad and said, you know, I, I love what this guy has to say about prayer, praying for you. And so anyway, that's how I stumble across this stuff, guys, because, again, I owe so much to the richness that my dad left me. And that's just another example. But this George Buttock, who wrote this book on prayer, he said this quote, and it, he said, prayer is friendship with God. Friendship is not formal, but it is not formless. It has cultivation, its behavior, its obligations, even its disciplines, and the casual mind kills it. I thought this was interesting, and this is sort of where we strike this balance in prayer. Conversational, but yet not really adhering to strict, like, liturgical formulas, you know? And I think, and there is a little bit of a balance to strike there. The last time that we did a podcast on prayer, I talked to you guys kind of about some formulas that I have used and regularly do because it helps keep me on track. I talked about the Acts one where, you know, you're you're going with adoration to God, confession, thanksgiving, and then supplication. Some people do the praying through the tabernacle, which can be really powerful as you just kind of keep a little bit of a formula, a method to you pr- how you're praying through things. But I also know that there is there's balance there because I love those models and I I find a lot of value in doing that because like I said, it just keeps my mind on track. But I also don't want us to forget just the simplicity of prayer. And I and I think Jesus exemplified that simplicity so beautifully, even in the Lord's Prayer. Guys, it's like one of the shortest prayers ever. But I think it gives us that model of simplicity. It does give some structure in there. I think it's really great how it points to that, you know, pointing to thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's something we need to be reminded of all the time because it's easy to go to the the Lord with the things that are our will. Again, remembering we want the things that the Lord wants, not the things that we want. But back to that quote a little bit because there's just some good stuff in there. We do need to remember that prayer is friendship with God. And with a friend, you think about that. You you get to you get to talk to your friend all the time. And if you're not talking to the Lord on a regular basis, then you kind of have to ask yourself, well, is there a relationship here? And if you don't have that, that's the first thing you need to fix. But then, you know, it's a friendship when you think the word friendship, it, that's not formal. Just like he said, friendship is not formal in that we don't want to get caught up into like, I have to say all the right holy words and I need to make sure I'm articulating it just perfect or else God's not going to hear my prayer. That's not it either. But then in the next part when he says, but it's not formless. And I think that's the part that I think everybody needs to figure out what it means to make their prayers not formless. And whether it is that you you follow kind of a model where maybe you do pray a certain way where you're first thanking the Lord and then bringing confession to the Lord and thanksgiving and your prayer requests. I love that model. I really do. I have found a lot lately just in the moments before, you know, your quiet time or whatever, just sitting there and being quiet for a second. That one is hard for us. It's like we don't even like, we don't like blank space in our lives sometimes. And it can be super hard to sit down and just 
sit. Be still and know that I am God, the psalmist said. I mean, it, it, but it just, it's hard to just sit there and focus. I think that writing your prayers out can be really helpful. Some people are not journalers, and that's all good. Honestly, I have come back to a little bit, probably from dad's model too, of doing the bullet point thing. Because it it's a way that allows me to have prayers be not formal, but they're not formless, you know? And I do have little bullets and I'm and I'm praying for those people kind of as I go through. Then it allows me to go and look up some of those scriptures and maybe maybe write a reference next to that. But that is something that helps me to keep it from being formless and keeping me on track and not getting distracted. I've been using for the last, I don't know, about a year, a friend at the church uh, started me on a these journals that are called Valmarie prayer journals. I don't know what all product she has. So please don't take this as like a full endorsement of everything that she's done because I really truly don't know that much about it. But Valmarie prayer journals are really cool. And they, they're they like these little six-month journals. And again, it's a way to make your prayers not formal, but not formless. And it makes sections for each month for you to be praying for, you know, there's a section for your world and your nation. There's a section to be praying for your community. There's a section to be praying for, she calls it my loves. And you can list your family members and your husband and, you know, whatever things that are nearest and dearest, and you can list those things out. But there's all these different sections that you're just writing it in, but it sort of gives some form to it. And I've really enjoyed that. And it's been sort of like even acted as almost a journal of those days, too, because what I've found is that at the end of the month, I've been sort of writing out just taking the one blank page that's there and writing what happened this month, just a little bit, just a quick little synopsis and and writing the things that the, the prayer requests that the Lord has answered. Those are always so good to look back on. So I do really like those. If you're looking for something that's to give your prayers a little bit of form, that could be helpful to you. So there is some form, and maybe some of this will spark some ideas for how you might pray. But why? Why? You know, why do we pray? And I think here's where we come a little bit full circle back to where I was at the beginning on the heaviness that I told you that I was just kind of feeling, I feel it right now. I mean, I just feel it in these days. And it's calling me and it's asking me and reminding me to be praying. You know, Philippians 4, 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We know that Scripture tells us to pray. We know that. But then how many times do we take that next step to go, oh, I really just need to stop and pray about this. I need to have that dear moment to drop everything and read. Well, we need to do drop everything and pray. But I, then I still kind of wonder, do we believe in prayer like we should? And Mark 11 tells a story of Jesus walking with his disciples. And this is the story about when he curses the fig tree. And in verse 12, it says, on the, it's on the following day, they're on their journey when they came from Bethany. Jesus was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard this. I think this is interesting because do any of us really think that Jesus did not know that there would not be figs on that tree? Yes, he knew it. I think the secret is right there in that last verse I just read you, and his disciples heard it. Jesus was always teaching. So he curses this fig tree and says, no one will, you're never going to produce fruit again. Then you skip down in the chapter a little bit, and then in verse 20, this is later on, it says, as they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree. This is the one from the other day that and the fig tree withered away to its root. 
And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Interesting. Does that sound like Jesus thinks that prayer matters, that prayer changes things? Because I kind of wonder if we really did know that prayer was that powerful and that effective, you would think we would be praying a whole lot more, right? The other morning, I was reading Isaiah eleven four, and I got to this passage that said, with the breath of his lips, he shall kill the wicked. That's what it said. And I've told you guys many times, yep, there was probably six chapters I was supposed to read in my to stay on schedule through the Bible reading for that day. However, it was that phrase right there that the breath of his lips, he shall kill the wicked. And and it sort of started me on a little Bible study tangent here. And there's a freebie for you. If you are reading, you're through the Bible plan and something like that happens and the Spirit just kind of highlights a word to you. Well, stick on that. Now, I I have a Thompson Chain Reference Bible and I saw this word breath was kind of sticking me. I mean, that's some serious power there, guys. Just with the breath of his lips, it says that he will kill the wicked. So I started down this train a little bit of all the times where the breath of the Lord comes up. And, and so it took me to 2 Thessalonians 2.8. And, and there it says, And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing. His breath. Just spoken word. That's it. Hosea 6.5 says, I have slain them by the words of my mouth. Isaiah 30.28, His breath is like an overflowing stream to sift the nations. Isaiah 47, the grass withers, the flowers fade when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Guys, there's several of these here. And I just kind of kept going down this train, looking up every one. And I've told you guys before, when you do this, don't just look up the reference and move on. Write the verse down. I did this and I just found a blank page in my Bible. I think it's in 2 Thessalonians. And I just wrote out all of these things to sort of see where all these places were that had the breath of the Lord in it. But does that not hit you with just a little bit, that the power of the Lord just in the breath, just in the spoken word that he has. And so it, it, I don't know why, guys, but it just highlighted to me, my goodness, if the Lord has that kind of power just in his very breath, how strong, how amazing and all-powerful is the Lord? The same Lord that we've been talking about this whole podcast, that we get to have this friendship and this conversation with an almighty God. But yet, we kind of, we, we don't do it a lot, right? And I think this just took me to some of the things that I think in my mind right now, when I talk about the heaviness that I feel in our day, that sort of feel like they're in the unchangeable. Like that just, there's nothing we can do about that. That's too big. I don't know what I could do about that. Big stuff, right? You know, our country. The greater church, you know, that just kind of seems, you know, in some ways that there's a lot of walking away from solid Bible teaching in a lot of places in the country right now. That's just so sad to me. In the Onward podcast, I talked about some biblical issues that are also often political ones, but they are biblical issues, abortion. And this current administration is not friendly to the cause of the unborn. And that's not a political statement. That is a factual statement. But 
could I pray for the unborn? See, I, I hear that and I see these policy things and these decisions that are being made that majorly impact the ability to get abortions. And, and I, I again, I don't even like using that word, guys, because I think it just sterilizes it to us. But it seems just too big. But I think as I was reflecting on this passage about just even the breath of the Lord is, is so powerful, could I not pray for the unborn? Like right now, I mean, does the Lord need our political structures to all be favorable in order for everything to work? You know, I, I don't see that. I think that he can and he does does work through our efforts in that regard. But if just the breath, if just the breath will sift the nations, I'm thinking he can make the miraculous happen. He made a fig tree just wither, just its roots just dry up and nothing was there. And, and that story is recorded for us. Remember, Nidia even said, and the disciples heard it. We need to hear that because we need to hear that we can pray in that regard. Could we just be praying that these babies make it? That people come alongside when an abortion is even if someone is trying to have an abortion and that life is saved somehow. I just want to pray that. And I want to believe because I know that the Lord cares about that woman I know that he cares about the dad involved. I know that he cares about that child. And I just want to be praying that even though policies don't seem to be very positive in this direction, praying that the Lord would save in those situations. We lament over the sin of our nation for sure, but who is it that changes hearts? It's not policy. It's never going to be policy. It's always going to be the gospel. So I think sometimes you and I just need a shot in the arm to remind us that prayer matters and we should be doing it more, not less. Luke eleven nine says, And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. I love the way the King James says, James five sixteen. It says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I know that's King Jimmy, but it's just pretty. I love how it puts that. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Fervent, right there, just means passionate intensity. and I just wonder, are we passionate or intense in our prayer life? Maybe neither one. If you're like me, sometimes it, it maybe if it's not on the calendar, it doesn't happen. I tell my kids all the time. They'll, they'll say, well, mom, I, I wanted to go to this person's house. And I'll look at them and go, dude, if you don't stick it on the calendar, I am never going to remember that. That's just my brain. But maybe we could even some, use something simple like that for that. Because would it be weird if we just scheduled time in our day to pray? Maybe there's a calendar block you stick in there, and maybe it's just 15 minutes. Maybe it's longer, whatever you got, and just to pray. But if that alert comes up that that we're supposed to be praying, you know, I guarantee you, first of all, you are going to be distracted, and you're going to go, oh, no, 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 I can't do that right now. I know I said I was going to, but, I, you know, this came up, and this I've got to do this. That definitely will happen because the enemy does not want you to be praying. But maybe just maybe just try it. Or maybe it's not a calendar thing for you. I kind of live and die by my calendar. But maybe for you, it's just a note on your fridge. Or maybe it's it's sticking it with a habit. Man, I loved it a couple, I don't know, one month ago somewhere. Becca on the Women's Ministry team, she wrote a thing about putting prayers, like tying them to habits that we do. You know, whether it's you're in the shower maybe. and Or maybe it's when you're taking your vitamins every day. And, and just but tying it to somebody that you want to pray for during that time. I think sometimes the overwhelming nature of all that there is to pray for kind of makes me want to throw up my hands and just say, ah, forget it. It's too much. I don't even know where to start. And and I and I know we feel that way, 
But guess who it's not too much for? But maybe on that calendar note or on that sticky note or maybe you're in your shower and maybe you put a prayer list in your shower, but maybe put on that mirror or wherever you decide to do this for that 15-minute block, maybe just put one thing for that day that you want to be praying about. Maybe just one person, maybe just one situation. And maybe if you have some time, maybe find a couple scriptures to tack onto that. Maybe so you can have your own sort of code to your prayers. And the cool thing about that is that it actually also helps you to be memorizing scripture as well. But maybe find some scriptures that you just take that one thing on Monday for my 15-minute block, I'm going to pray for fill in the blank and put two scriptures there. And just spend 15 minutes even just asking the Lord to cover that situation, praying scripture into those situations. How powerful would that be? I mean, do we believe James 5.16 or do we not? The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Do we believe it avails much or it doesn't? Because I talk to you guys all the time about we're going to believe scripture or we're not. We're going to be submitted and we're going to be obedient to scripture or we're not. It says that prayer matters. Jesus said prayer matters. Maybe if you have some time, maybe you want to do a study on prayer itself in the Bible. Hey, here's a free site. Just go online, go to openbible.com, type prayer, and you will get dozens and dozens and dozens of verses that are all about prayer. Now, I will caution you, I don't like it. This is the thing I don't like about sites like this is that it does pull up all the sites where that word appears. And then sometimes people like to just pop a verse into their own context without really seeing the context that it is on the page. So take that list from your internet search, from openbible.com or Bible Gateway, and then write those scriptures down and then go look in your own Bible to get the full context behind it. I think that's really important just for, you know, good Bible study. But maybe you do have some time and you want to do a little word study on prayer, maybe even studying the prayers in the Bible, Jesus's prayer, going back to Daniel's prayer. There's some there's some cool prayers. They're never very long, guys. That's another thing that's really fascinating to me about prayer in the Bible. I've mentioned to you guys before on the podcast that that the women of revivals in our in American history, they always it just kind of stands out to me. The first time I even heard about it, Pastor Brett was talking about it in a sermon. And so since then I I've continued to try to find a little bit more information on some of these women and honestly, I don't find a ton. I I get little stories here and here and there. But these were women that they faced difficulties and you know cuz I'm going back like colonial times honestly and the difficulties that these women faced are seriously totally foreign to us in our day we have so much more freedom and rights and opportunities but man those ladies they prayed it, they didn't have a whole lot else going on for them but they sure prayed and i'm so thankful that they did. Because as you, as you read about some of those revivals and stuff, the things you don't is, get as much press are all the prayers that led up to it. And I just want to keep that in our, in, our, in our minds as, you know, we even think about James 5.16 and that effectual, fervent prayer that we should, we should be praying in that regard, that we should really be passionate and intense about our prayer. And like I said before, expect the enemy's attack. He doesn't want you to be praying. Guys, he did not want me to do this episode today. I can't tell you how many times when I'm prepping for a podcast or when I'm recording, actually recording, how huge the doubt is that creeps up. I mean, I'm not trying to overshare my own strange thoughts here, but seriously, I mean, I'll sit here and I'll think, you sure this is what the Lord has for you today? You aren't saying this well. 
or you're you're wasting the lady's time. You already talked about this. Should you really be doing this again? And, you know, same thing happened with us today, guys. And it was so funny. I've, I've been reading all of these scriptures. I was writing all of these down, just praying through these myself. And it was so interesting because I'm writing down those words that are the Lord's words. And meanwhile, I've got this, you know, tape going on in my silly brain about all the reasons I shouldn't be doing this podcast right now. And I kind of had a moment of clarity. I think the Lord gave me this that just said, I wonder where those thoughts are coming from. Yeah. It wasn't from the Word of God that I've been reading, telling me all the things that prayer is, telling me to pray, reminding me that it's just the breath of the God and, and breath of God and the power that the Lord has. That's the thing that was true. The stuff that I tell me, yeah, that was from the enemy who does not want me to talk about prayer. He doesn't want me to remind you to be praying. He doesn't want me to remind you to be reading God's Word. When I look at the Word, it tells me to seek Him. It tells me, the Word tells me to glorify Him, to do what He has put in my hands to bring Him glory and benefit others. And today, that was coming to you guys, reminding you guys to pray. Pray. Pray fervently. Pray often. Pray with purpose. Pray with form. Remember, let's not have it be formless. Pray with Scripture. Pray with reverence. And no doubt that the God whose very breath can destroy the enemy hears us and can do all things according to his will. Thank you for tuning in to the Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of AV Creek Christian Fellowship in West Lynn, Oregon. For more resources or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at apcreek.com.